All righty. You red eyes one? I'm pouring stuff. Everybody, welcome back to This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Perry, and with me, per usual, is the other half of, well, one of the other co-hosts. Uh, it's Swan. Swan, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Perry. That is fantastic here. It was your off day, uh, so you've just been itching to get to get to this tonight and i've been itching to get back to it as well especially after a week off thank you all so much for coming back uh, after i was basically gone for a week uh, i needed a, needed a break i was out of town and it just um worked out for the best that mentally i i laid low for a little while so i uh, appreciate everybody who uh, has tuned back in uh, a couple of things up top of course as always if you have not yet reviewed the show on iTunes, you can do that. We uh, will review, or excuse me, we'll read out uh, a review of the show uh, towards the end <clears throat> when we do plugs. Uh, and if you have done that, we would love for you to, or if you haven't done it, we would love for you to. That's what I was trying to say there. Great start to it. Oh, goodness gracious. I got to get back into this, man. Got to get back into it. Into the swing of things, man. Back into the swing of things. You know, a great way to do that is to fly totally blind during our segment, Flying Blind, uh, where I start the show off with something that the uh, co-host doesn't know of. They don't know what it is. How do you like this Flying Blind, Swan? Ooh, it's spicy. (laughs) Okay, so we... Again, a peek behind the curtain here. We just did pregame chats. We did. We had something that was very cinnamon heavy. Mm-hmm. This is in the same class, but it's hit me more like a Jim Beam product where it's got a lot of barrel spice along with it. It tastes higher proof, but not like tremendously so. Like I'm not thinking it's like 120s or barrel proof even. It's more like kind of a maker's private select, like 105-ish, 108. That's what it tastes like to me. Well, you are correct. In that it's not that much higher proof, uh, but it is kind of a special little sample bottle that I got from a friend of the show, Dave Jennings, uh, who just released his book, American Spirit, uh, which was all about wild turkey. I wanted to start this uh, this episode off with this sample that he provided for me, which I then wanted to share with you. It's a 2004 Wild Turkey 101, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it's yeah. It's different. It's different. See, what it's got the turkey nose, but the palate is like oh yeah, way way different than what I expected. Absolutely. And I, if I remember correctly, um, he he gave me this sample specifically for that reason uh, because it wasn't. It wasn't normally what you would get from an older turkey or really from turkey in general. It was kind of before I got into the dusty turkey uh, obsession. (laughs) Yeah, so this one, it's real, I don't know, it's real ethanol heavy on the palate, but it comes Mm. through more like a barrel spice or like some extra age or something. Sure. Sure. I don't know. This is good. This is uh, an outlier for sure. Um, 
it kind of tastes more like some of the older Kentucky spirits that I've had. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's definitely it's much more honey. robust. Yeah, the honey is definitely there. Yeah. So, uh, the, the again, the reason that I brought this up was because Dave Jennings has his new book out, American Spirit, Wild Turkey Bourbon from Rippy to Russell, which you can find at wildturkeybook.com. I have it. It is really fantastic. I actually gave it to my dad uh, for Father's Day as well. And uh, he he's read through a little bit of it, and he quite enjoys it. Um, and the pictures... Look, man, if you get it just for the pictures, they're gorgeous. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with ordering this book with the intention on keeping it on a nice oak table right in front of where you normally drink. Yes. To even just to flip through it once you've had too many. That's totally fine. <laughs> just please support Dave Jennings because he does amazing stuff. The Absolutely, blog that he's yeah. run for a long time is phenomenal. The man's got access to samples that just blow my mind. Yeah. 100%. And uh, if you do not follow him already on social media, he is at Rarebird101. Uh, and you can find his blog, Rarebird101, uh, on the internet as well. They actually, we did an episode with him, gosh, probably about a year and a half ago at this point. Um, I think it was, I think it was that. It might have been the first episode of 2019, now that I think about it. Yeah. Uh, so it was a it was a good time, man. He's a really fun guy to have a conversation with. And uh, I think you guys, if you have not, uh, actually listen to it yet please go and do so i'll link it in, in the description below yeah well. and that guy is going to change the way you go to liquor stores because usually yes. you walk in you look behind the counter you look at boxes and you're like oh, nothing came in and you walk out now you're going to go look at laser codes and you're going to go to his blog and you're going to find out how old that wild turkey is that you're looking at and it's and a let, whole new ball game and let me tell you i did that exact thing today um, I kid you not. I, I sent you a text message. I was so excited. Oh, about yeah. This one. yeah. Um, I, I found what I fully believe to be the very last bottle on the shelf of a 2018 uh, rare breed bottle. And it was around that time that Cornerstone was coming out. You were getting older, older turkey bourbon uh, in some of their their products. So you were seeing what, like eight to ten year olds um, in Turkey 101, uh, maybe even some 12, I think. Uh, but then you were also getting up to like 15 years uh, during in, in the rare breed as well. Uh, and so I was really excited to find this bottle today. And I, I, I almost walked out the store just like that without actually looking at anything because um, it was kind of the standard thoroughfare. And I was like, well, there's a there's a rare breed here. I may as well just pick it up and look at it and see what it is. And sure enough, it had that G on the on the laser code. It's a beautiful and thing. It's a I beautiful was, thing. I was very excited. So that's going to be saved for a little bit. Uh, but I guess that kind of leads us into as well. What have you been drinking recently? I kind of uh, let us off with something I'm going to be drinking uh, eventually. But what about you, Swan? Yeah, so I've been having a lot of Henry McKenna. The uh, I've had a lot of Knob Creek picks. And then um, I got pretty deep into uh, a bottle of... Wild Turkey 101. Mm-hmm. Hard to beat. I uh, I went to a friend's house and he had that. And I was just like, this is really good. How long have you had this? And he's like, it's been open for like two years or something. Holy crap. <laughs> and he's like, I just never, I never drink it. And I was just like, do you even want it? And he's like, no, take it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it was just a little bit left and I took it home and uh, finished it. 
Fantastic. Can't complain. I had some uh, some Knob Creek while I was on vacation last week as well. Uh, it was a, a, a single barrel pick from the Lexington Bourbon Society. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good. It's quite good. I might have to get a sample of it from Papa Ritter for you uh, to try. I would shout be out. all right with that. Yeah, shout out to our friends at the uh, Lexington Bourbon Society. Uh, one of them is actually going to be on the show next week. Little uh, little teaser for that. Swan, I haven't even told you this yet. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that uh, here here soon. Uh, I also drank plenty of Turkey One One on vacation. Oh, it's hard not to. That is the vacation staple. <laughs> Sixteen ninety nine. You didn't get it anywhere. It is- I, I, I will tell you though, I did enjoy plenty of Evan Williams. I had both the seventeen eighty three and the bottle and bond uh, on vacation, and I was look, man. It's not for everybody to take some bourbon down to the pool uh, or out to the beach, but I am all about it. And I had some good days. I had some good days. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Not always good mornings, but good days. Those aren't important. <laughs> Stuff doesn't happen till like 11 noon. It's fine. Yeah, for sure. Or even later, you know. Yeah. You're on break. You're on island time. You're on vacation. Who's going to tell you what to do? The man. The man's going to tell you what to do. Anyway. <laughs> well, we have got plenty of news this week. Uh, first and foremost is that... There were some uh, some big wins this year uh, for mostly Sazerac products at the International Whiskey Competition. Uh, Eagle Rare really coming out and showing uh, it, its its best game, uh, especially in best American whiskey, best straight bourbon, uh, and best bourbon overall. Uh, and it doesn't stop there. Sazerac took home uh, plenty of, of awards. Uh, especially from their 1792 line, the foolproof one, best cast strength uh, bourbon, and uh, Weller foolproof actually took the third place uh, in that category as well. So they lumped those in with cast strength. Apparently so. It's kind of odd to me, but Isn't I mean, it? hey, if, they, if if they've got that bourbon to compete with, go for it. I mean, I'm sure they're sure. not taking Stag Junior, and if they do, I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't rank up with them. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's look, we've been talking a lot recently about the about Sazerac and whether or not they're overdoing it. Are they overdoing it in this case? I don't know. What do you think, Swan? Uh, I don't think so. If you can win awards, do it. There's plenty of people that just are motivated by awards. I mean, how many times do you see a new bourbon win one award, not saying any names, and then that is their entire legacy to them? <laughs> um, yeah, not mentioning any names, uh, but there are some that I feel like really <laughs> deserve those accolades, and when they get them, I am very proud that they put that in there every year. So it's it's totally fine with me. San Francisco, huge thing for a lot of people. Absolutely. Not going to discount that whatsoever. Got to bring up too that the best Tennessee whiskey went to Uncle Nearest in first, second, and third place. Just fantastic for them. Well deserved. Well Absolutely. deserved. Absolutely. Congratulations to Fawn Weaver. Uh, and best Virginia whiskey actually went to another, uh, well, Sazerac sourced product uh, with three different uh, Bowman releases. First place was Bowman Brothers Small Batch. Second was Isaac Bowman Port Finished. And third place was John J. Bowman Single Barrel. So. 
lots of uh, <laughs> lots of Sazerac is doing pretty okay, but it's definitely <laughs> definitely a people pleaser bourbon. <laughs> Uh, I also I forgot to to mention that they uh, did really well in the uh, single barrel category as well. Seventeen ninety two single barrel took first place. Elmer T Lee took second and uh, in third place it was the Colonel Taylor single barrel. So again, pretty much across the board, uh, <laughs> Sazerac's taking the gold home, man. <laughs> good for them. Yeah, good for good for them indeed. Also, good for uh, another another company uh, that actually uh, we're fairly good friends with here on the show. They have been on a couple of times, uh, thanks to Bourbon on the Banks and the Barrel Fest last year. Uh, this is coming from Bluegrass Distillers. This is uh, pretty pretty recent news uh, as of recording. They are going to be releasing their first four year bottled in bond bourbon here in Lexington, Kentucky. This is coming from a company that was first founded in 2012. Uh, they first started filling their barrels in 2013. And uh, yeah, this is their first four-year release. It's going to be a 20% rye and 80% yellow corn mash bill. Uh, true high rye, as they say in their press release. Uh, it's going to have a forest green label. And there are only going to be 200 bottles available uh, for pre-purchase, retailing for $55. Uh, it's going to be available available rather for pre-order uh, starting the 6th, which is the day of recording, and it will be picked up on the 20th of July. Uh, there will be more bottles available for in-store purchase, though. Uh, this is pretty cool, man. I, I like the fact that this uh, little local distillery uh, has fared well enough over the, the past few years uh, not only to, you know, still be a mainstay, at least in local craft markets, uh, but the fact that they can, you know, keep enough stock in place to get a bottled and bond product. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, all of it seems great to me, but what, what do you think about the mash bill? Interesting. No flavoring agent. Yeah. Well, yeah, there is. It's the rye. Oh, I'm sorry. There's no malt. My bad. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no enzymes that were uh, produced. So I, that kind of means to me maybe that they, uh, they, they might have. It's hard for me to to vocalize this because I can't remember exactly the process that they use. Um, I think it, it's called like industrial enzymes, I believe, or something like that, uh, that they actually use to uh, produce the fermentation um, or help with the fermentation, which is what the, the malt does, the malted barley does in bourbon or, or rye. So I, they, they must have done something uh, like that for, for this product. Uh, and it's, Maybe something that they've done for all of their products, but I'm I'm not entirely sure uh, how how they achieve that. But that being said, though, um, yeah, I think the the high rise going to help it out. Yeah, no, I would definitely be interested in trying some of it. Yeah, we'll we'll reach out to our friends over at uh, over at Bluegrass Distillers and see what we can uh, see what we can drum up over there. Uh, this is pretty pretty cool coming from Diageo. Uh, their newest distillery is going to be, as I put it in our Google Doc, super eco-friendly. <laughs> uh, it's going to be the first carbon neutral distillery uh, in North America, which is really, 
really cool. Uh, it's going to be sourcing 100% of its electricity from renewable, renewable rather sources by 2030. Um, these uh, there's there's going to be some different features uh, that will be included, uh, such as electrification of operations, energy efficiency embedded into facility design, sourcing renewable electricity, water uh, water savings design, and zero waste to landfill. Really, yeah. really cool. And if you're like me, you're like, I have no idea what any of this means. They break it down at the bottom of this, kind of what it means. This is the equivalent of taking more than 25,000 cars off the road. Yes. I mean, that is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I am all for it, man. If they, if more people could do this, I think they're kind of setting the standard. At this point, it's like, oh, Diageo can do it. Anyone can. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's... I mean, I, I'm all for it, um, especially with so many new structures coming up here pretty soon. I mean, what you got the uh, what's who's the one that's making that? Um, it's the old master distiller from Four Roses that's making his own product now. Oh, Jim Rutledge. Yeah, the Rutledge Distilleries. It's getting mm-hmm. built right now. I mean, there's no reason they can't implement some of this stuff. Bardstown Bourbon Company is so new. I mean, they got the opportunity to do stuff like this. I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm excited for it. I think that this is kind of the first iteration of what we're going to see as a push towards more sustainability in bourbon. And it's not to say that there hasn't been sustainability in general with with whiskey production, especially in Kentucky. When you look at the, the ecosystem uh, and the economy around bourbon production, so many distilleries, and it was so important for bourbon distilleries when they first were being brought to the United States, especially to Kentucky, that they found ways to encourage other forms of, uh, other forms of economy, economy growth, rather economy growth is what I said there. Um, <laughs> so, so not only are they sourcing their grains from local farms, <clears throat> in some cases, these distilleries are using their spent grains and then giving them back to these farms. So at no cost, you're basically, you know, being able to provide food for your livestock. So that is in essence a, a highly sustainable uh, field for um, for distilleries and a huge incentive for farmers to to set up shop here. So I, I think that d- sustainability is definitely rich in the history of bourbon and i think that this is just kind of the next step uh for them as well and it's it's cool to see diageo taking this step forward it'll be exciting to see uh what other distilleries do uh, especially in the wake of uh of this decision let me ask you this just i'm playing devil's advocate here sure what so i just listed off some new distilleries um what about ones doing uh it's a terrible term for it, but they, they have a term for redoing, like renewing cars and stuff called RestoMod. Basically, you put in new products into old distilleries. Um, look at Castle and Key. They didn't necessarily do a RestoMod with new product. They put in old product, revamped it, made it work again, and now they're kind of really drilling into the heritage portion. When they put down in the bottom here, new electric boilers – do you think there's any incentive for the distilleries that are trying to be rich in history to kind of put in some new stuff like this? Or is it more of like they'd really draw against the heritage as opposed to being carbon neutral? I honestly don't think that there's anything that could prevent them from pursuing that. I think that 
as long as the the product still remains virtually the same mm-hmm. at the end of the day i i don't think that that's going to deter people from finding ways to become more eco-friendly uh, in the long run yeah it might be a little bit more expensive i could see that happening uh, especially just because of the renovation that would come with it but at the same time i i do understand that bourbon is steeped in heritage i could see people pushing back uh on it just because of the way that it's always been produced but you also look at places that are producing bourbon without actually aging the bourbon so that's true <laughs> i mean that's I just, that's a total change from you know the way your granddad used to make his his whiskey you know so i i can i can see both sides of it um i can understand why people would be willing to we're wanting to rather stick with the way it's always been done. But I think that, you know, maybe there's a tax cut incentive that comes from becoming more eco-friendly, more sustainable, more carbon neutral down the line. That's something that, you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody could be lobbying for in the next few years, uh, especially as we see distilleries like Diageo uh, and Bullet taking this step forward. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's a good step forward for sure. Yeah. Have you seen... The beautiful, amazing, sexy bottle that I, we're about to talk about next. Uh, oh, no. It, oh, no. 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 You don't like it? No. Oh. We're, we're, we're looking at the same one, the, the Disabled Jockeys Fund's Maker's Mark bottle. Yeah. No. Oh. What do you see in this bottle, Perry? Let me ask you that to start with. What do I see in it? Why Why do you like it? I think, well, first off, I love black in design, period. Um, I, I like the way it makes colors pop. Um, I, I think that this, by the way, yeah, we're, we're talking about the new uh, Keeneland bottle from Makers, uh, which is, as we said, uh, commemorative for permanently disabled jockeys. I I really like this. I think the black wax is super slick. Um, I like the kind of old timey parchment looking label on it as well. Um, I I'm a big fan of this. What is it that you're not, you're not so keen on? It just looks like a cologne bottle. I just, I don't know. Really? Yeah. I'm not buying into it. I, so I just look how updated like the justify bottle was. It was just kind of like a pop of color on a black matte bottle. Uh, and just had some like updated looking nice text to it. I don't know. It just looks sharp. And then this one just kind of looks like an old cologne bottle you would find at Granddad's. Like I don't, I don't know. You know, teach their own. It's just not, I'm not mm. searching for it. I'm trying to find a counterpoint to that. I'm not entirely sure I can because I don't disagree with you. In the You're overall, allowed to like it. it. You're and you're allowed to, like to dislike it, it, even if it's Granddad's cologne bottle. Like it is, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just, I'm not excited to drink out of that because I know Granddad's cologne smells like it came from the 1950s because it is from the 1950s, and that's fine. I. But here's the thing, though. Are you really gonna drink from this bottle? Oh no! Who Absolutely. opens these makers bottles? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's it's ninety proof makers that's just sitting in the bottle, and uh, it's 
for display. It's for decoration. It's a commemorative bottle. It, it is not being sold to the mass market to be consumed. It's being sold for for charity. And yeah. I think that, honestly, it's one of the slicker-looking lo- releases um, that they've had. I do understand, though, and I totally am on board with how cool and, and unique the Justify and American Pharaoh bottles are. I'm, I'm all about those bottles. I just think that this, I think there's a classiness to it that uh, I, I, I'm really attracted to. There is something about having a new bottle look like a dusty bottle from the get go. I uh-huh. mean, I get, I get that. And they, they yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk about one of the, we're going to talk about one of those in our review. <laughs> yeah. They went for that full force. Good for them. But honestly, with these makers bottles, they could fill the thing with water and no one would even know because who's opening it? Like, I mean, it's- I, can name, I can name at least one. Uh, well, two people that did open one. Uh, and that's Will and the Grease from the podcast. They opened that's- an American Pharaoh bottle. And it tasted like makers. Didn't it it? tastes like mean, makers. <laughs> <laughs> they made an episode out of it. Uh, I'll try to find that link in the description as well um i but i i will say i like what this bottle is for and i also appreciate the the creativity behind the the design no i'm all for that that's phenomenal i mean this is something that if no one brought this to my attention i would not think of the cause whatsoever and i'm glad that they did Uh, I am not entirely sure that you can still uh, grab a bottle of this um, as it had a special release at Liquor Barn on July 3rd. Um, But I believe that it was about $80, $85, something like that. Uh, And if you are truly, truly just itching for a bottle of this, uh, we're not trying to encourage black market bourbon deals, but I'm sure you could find one on uh, secondary somehow, some way. I don't even know how you would do that. Do you use one? nope no No clue clue. no clue speaking of uh bottles that we might not ever be able to acquire even though i definitely want to acquire one of these for multiple reasons old forester has announced officially the 2020 release of the birthday bourbon i this is really exciting for me on quite a few levels uh and especially for old forester as this marks their 150th anniversary of the brand this is really cool I, I am excited for this bottle. It's 10 years old, 98 proof. Uh, their traditional mash, mash bill, rather, of 72% corn, 80% rye, and 10% malted barley. We talked about this a while back, I think, when the label first hit the TTB. Yes, and I have changed my mind. Uh, have you now? I have, yes. Why is that? Because they came out with tasting notes, and I'm excited. So Jackie Zakan, is that how you say the last Zykin. one? Zykin? Yeah. Okay, so I I got to try last year's. and got the weirdest note of melon, and I thought it was strange. <laughs> but I didn't dislike it. I thought it was one of the most original bourbons that came out last year. Original, not meaning good, but original. She's done it again. So with these tasting notes, you look down through here and you're like, you know, brown sugar, chocolate, caramel drizzle, and hints of tropical fruit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so this is not a bourbon that's going to appeal to everyone. And uh, uh, again, just like the design on the last one, that's totally fine. But she has gone for something that is just wildly out of the box, and I cannot be mad about that. Even the drop in the year, the drop in the proof, I'm still excited to see something that's just crazy original. I mean, look at last year. Who won the best bourbon of the year? It, we got the uh, the George Dickel 13 bottle in the bond because sure. it was original. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is nothing wrong with thinking out of the box with your tasting notes, and I think she's out to prove that year after year. I'm totally fine with it. Jackie can do whatever she wants, oh, and I'm going to be interested. I, I love Jackie to death. She was on uh, this past year's one of the one of the episodes that came out from Bourbon and Beyond uh, this past year. So if you want to go back and check that little conversation out, you can do that for sure. Uh, I need to get Jackie back on for like a full episode, though. I want to we talk do. to her about the the uh, the new Old Forester single barrel program and um, all those those bottles and whatnot, uh, and find out what they're going to be like. And I'm also curious about um, the, the the what went into the development of this new Old Forester. Um, I, I like I said, we talked about it when the TTB label first came out. People were talking about it uh, on different articles and everything. It's Ideal for me this year for two reasons. Uh, I'm, we're having a baby, of course. I got to get a birthday bottle for her. And then also, this is mine and Lucy's 10-year dating anniversary. So this means that, or that means rather, that this bottle was distilled and started aging the year that we started dating. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's coming out and I know that there are other bottles that I could get that are much, much cheaper to also commemorate this. I, I just, it, this is like kind of the best of both worlds. And I'm excited to, I'm excited to get into this. I totally agree with you though. Those tasting notes are phenomenal. I'm excited about uh, the the finish as well. She described it as long and delicately drying with a hint of anise. Yeah, so this is going to be a red flag for a lot of people because anise is basically just licorice. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's I mean, it's so I try to get a bottle of this every year for its bourbon because that's just one of the largest yes. platforms that we can kind of share with. And if I get a bottle of it this year, I can just imagine the face Sarah's going to make because she has <laughs> always been like, if there's a hint of licorice, it's going down. Can't handle and it. And Chad doesn't like dry. He doesn't like a dry finish. He doesn't like dry on the palate either. So yeah, yeah I, I could I could see that. Uh, so this is going to be a limited edition bottling, of course. Uh, $130 going to be released on September 2nd, uh, which uh, again, this is the 150th anniversary of Old Forster. So very cool uh, to see this happening for them. And I will be 100% looking forward to this when the time comes. Absolutely. That's all I got to say about that. You want to talk about some releases uh, that that are coming out here soon? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm so excited about some of these releases. Yeah, uh, we have talked briefly um, about the Knob Creek 15 year old, which Whiskey Advocate has mistakenly listed as a straight rye. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing well, their well. best. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's that's kind of funny. Actually, uh, no, it's actually a Knob Creek uh, 15-year-old bourbon uh, that is going to be 100 proof, much like the 12-year-old that came out uh, last year. It's another limited edition. I 
this is a hundred dollar price tag. I actually saw this in store today when I picked up that uh, that rare breed bottle, and I very easily passed over it because it seems like not everybody's a big fan, <laughs> especially considering there were 120 proof single barrel picks at the same age that were coming out last year for half or less of the price at least at least <laughs> yeah so it was funny with this one in particular i walked in and i was like do you this is when we were doing our nine year age stated episode mm-hmm. for knob creek and i walked in i was like do you guys have any of the non-age stated do you guys seem like you sell through it pretty quick and all you have is the age stated over there she's like oh no but we got the 15 year on the shelf i was like that is a heck of an upsell no That's i just not anything close to what we were talking about it's not it's not it at all it's not it at all <laughs> And then she was like, well, we got handles and minis. And I was like, I'll take a mini. Sure. Okay. But it's just, ah, no one's enthused about it, man. It's just sitting on the shelf. I've I've been in multiple stores that have had it. Uh, There was one guy. He's like, I shouldn't have ordered it, man. I sold one of them. One. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. uh, Clifton McDaniel, uh, also known as Bourbon Bites, did a review of it over on his YouTube channel. I'll try to throw a link to that below here. Uh, Clifton also is going to be on the show here very soon. A little little spoiler i guess or teaser for that coming up yeah uh, I, i've been on his live stream he's been on mine and i figured it was time to uh, bring him into the podcast space as well so it's we're fine gonna with me we're gonna put him through the paces we're gonna give him the old 20 questions that we used to do uh back in the day so i'm ex- i'm excited for clifton getting here on the show anyway uh back to the the knob creek um like i said it seems like it's just kind of sitting on the shelf at the moment I don't yeah. I don't I don't know, man. I mean, it is what it is. Um, if maybe they had released it at seventy five or eighty dollars a bottle, people would be more interested in buying it. Uh, but then you wind up seeing price contradictions, especially with bookers, which is, you know, six and a half years old, maybe at this point and ninety dollars a bottle. Yeah, they can't win. I mean, Buffalo Trace tax on $30 to the Weller line. Everyone's like, I get it. Then they're like, we're going to move Booker's up $20. And it's just like, all right, get the picket signs. Time to riot. Like, people are just not having it. I feel sorry for them. I really do. I, I, I agree with you. I just, I don't know. They, they should have. This is another whole conversation we need to get into sometime. Yeah, I mean, just their marketing team should have looked at it and said, "We're going to keep it at nine year picks, and then we're going to put out a fifteen or like a you know twelve year, a fifteen year, and then maybe we'll do some fifteen year picks down the line." But you know, mark up the price. But they gave us the best possible product first, <laughs> and then they diluted it and charged an extra fifty five to sixty dollars. I mean, it's just. There's there's reason to be angry, but also I feel it from their side too. It's just it sucks. I've it's got I've thing. got an idea. I've got an idea. So this is a conversation that it seems that seems to really be swirling in the bourbon hemisphere at the moment. How about two weeks from now? Our episode is called This is the Challenge of Value in Bourbon. Yeah. I'm right with that. We we we've talked about pricing on the show before. Uh, but it's kind of an outdated conversation at this p- at this point. I mean, it's been probably two years or so since we had that uh, th- that discussion, and things have definitely changed since then. Oh, so, big time! 
Yeah, so I think we should go and and bring this back up. Talk about some changes that have happened in in pricing over the past couple of years, even in the past six months. Uh, and then you know maybe we could maybe we could actually review uh, the newest Booker's Batch that just came out um, and see if it is actually worth the new ninety dollar price tag. That's fair. Yeah, I saw it for right. sixty six today. Ooh. Yeah, I know where you saw it for that price. Oh no, I saw it again at a different store for even cheaper. So sixty six is the cheapest price so far. I know where you saw it at another store. Yeah, probably. I'll let you know. Price. Anyway, um, let's okay. Let's talk about this because I I need to I need to talk about this in a bad way. So my wife, as you know, is currently pregnant. And she is a big gin drinker. Now, I am not a big quote-unquote gin drinker, but I do enjoy gin. And during her pregnancy, she has tried to find an alcohol-less alcohol-less gin to no avail. Everything tastes like garbage. And this is no different in its uh, in its creation this is spiritless kentucky 74 non-alcoholic bourbon it's from kentucky it's unaged it's zero percent abv and it's apparently available now for 36 dollars nationwide <laughs> uh, i get it to a degree but at the same time this it's not the same as non-alcoholic beer, I feel like. No. So <laughs> I, I was at like an 11 for all that, and you brought it down to a three. Yeah, no. I just, this stuff, like just the way, the, okay. So I've been in retail for years. I've seen people that buy non-alcoholic beer, and for the reasons that basically they want everyone to feel included when they go to a party. That's been the big reason when I've asked. It's like, why are you buying no duels? What's the reason? It's like, well... Everyone goes to a party, and I'm putting down three or four beers. I'd like them to at least have something to hold in their hand, even if they're not drinking it, just to look up, look the part, you know. Sure. And I'm like, cool. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know. Bourbon's a, it's a strange thing. If you want, you could put tea in a glass, and I'd never know. I mean, it's just it's just strange. And this is really, it seems like they're hammering this in the cocktails portion, so that you're not losing the bourbon flavoring of something. But it just seems odd. It just seems strange to me. Odd is, I think, the best approximation of this product. I just don't. I just don't get it, man. I yeah. The yeah. <laughs> spirit is reverse distilled to evaporate all but 0.5 percent of the alcohol. So here's another fun thing: if you buy this, you have to show your ID. If you buy O'Doul's, you still have to show your ID mm-hmm. every time. It is crazy. I don't know. It's it's going to be fun. I'm interested to see if anyone wants to try it. When it comes out, I'll buy a bottle for us. I think we should. I, I think that we should just see. We should just see. I And, and like, like I said, I've had a horrible experience with alcohol-less gin. Um, so finding out what a bourbon of the same caliber would be like, I mean, that's kind of, uh, interesting, I guess. 
I don't know many people that drink bourbon that are like, I'm fine with being sober completely. That's just, <laughs> as much as you want to be like, it's not about getting drunk. It's about the flavor. It's like, eh, it's a little bit about getting drunk. You know, it's a little something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You tell me, you tell me you don't like the effects of alcohol and we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It may not be your primary reason. You know, if you're having a steak, you're like, well, let's pair it. But at the same time, if you have a steak and then you take a bite of your, or you take a drink of your alcoholless bourbon, you're like, like yeah, I mean, what it's, happened? And it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's talk about some TTB labels as well. Ooh, I'm excited about these. As we had kind of alluded to, uh, or postulated, I would say, uh, a few weeks back, it looks like rebel yell is dropping the yell for their uh, for their products and this is now the second or third iteration that we're seeing of this uh coming from a cast strength barrel pick uh that, that from what i can I, I can gain at least that's what it looks like um looks like it's going to be around 120 proof um look does it matter that they drop the yell no, I don't really care. I don't care. think so either. No. I don't think so either. <laughs> this label is shockingly similar, but just with a more maroon theme to the uh, the uh, what is it? I sent you a picture of it yesterday. Oh, I the think. Ezra Brooks. The Ezra Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm glad that everyone's starting to put out some more. You know, one it looks like you're going to be able to select this, and then also just the fact that it's coming in cash strength. I'm interested in. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see what these products are going to look like, what they're going to taste like. Uh, you know, there aren't a whole lot of cast strength weeders out there. So this will be this will be certainly something that I would be excited to pick up uh, when it hits the market. Uh, we need to find or at least get some of that uh, Ezra Brooks barrel strength pick. Yeah, and they also, I've noticed they've even dropped the yell on their website. Like, I don't expect them to update that, but on the back there, rebelbourbon.com. Rebelbourbon.com. Yeah, good for them, man. They are making a total switch, and it looks a little more sophisticated, I'll give it that. It's going from something I saw on the bottom shelf, and I'm just like, I'm good, I don't really need that, to now, yeah, I'm interested. They are stepping it up. I'll give them that. They're moving it up a, a category. Speaking of stepping up, this is definitely a step up in price. The newest Blood Oath release, Pack 7, uh, is has been filed in the TTV. 98.6 proof. Uh, it's coming out next year. Oof. It's going to be a, about a 10-year-old uh, bourbon. Very interesting. What do you think about this one? What's it aged in? I'm having trouble reading it with the font. What's it aged in? Sontorno Barrels. What is that? Where are you saying that? Finished in Santorno barrels. Santor- Santornes. I don't know. I don't know what the... Oh, Sauternes? Sal- I don't know. I'm confused by that it. one a little bit. Uh, also, oh, the wine. It's yeah. finished in a wine. Uh, a French sweet wine uh, gotcha. in Bordeaux. I, I'm interested in this one a little more so than the last ones. The rum finish seemed like it kind of just imparted the same flavor on both of them. Uh, I got to try both of them in a bar side by side. Oh, really? Yeah, I much preferred the most recent pack to the previous one. Neither of them were something I'm going to be hunting down by any means. Uh, But this one, they just if I remember correctly, they don't list this on every single one, but they said this rare pack shall never again be made. 
pretty sure that's on all of them. But look how many times they put very limited release. I mean, it is on almost every single label. I mean, it is just, it's all over the place. Very limited release, never to be made again. I mean, they really hammered that one home. Um, so I'm guessing maybe this one will be harder to find. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will be. Uh, they, they kind of pride themselves on some very limited releases. I do not really have a whole lot of experience, I would say, with the Blood Oath releases. So I don't know, man. I, I got to I try don't have four expectations. Of them. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So I've had one of the wine finished. I've had both the rum and then the packed four, I believe, was a toasted barrel finish. And I got to try that one as well. I think the toasted barrel finished one was my favorite. Oh. And even then, it was just okay. It just tasted like Mictors. And even then, I think Mictors does it better. Oh, okay. So, and for half the price. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I This is not necessarily one that I would consider picking up, but who's to say? I would definitely want to try it. Maybe I'll get in contact with uh, Iverson at OBC, see if we can do a little sample of it. Yeah. Something. Uh, next TTB filing, a very, very bare bones, <laughs> informative label here. It's a single cask nation bottling of Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey distilled at an undisclosed distillery aged 24 years. An American oak distilled in October of 1944 and bottled in July 2020. So that means it sat in stainless steel vats for basically two years uh, before it was actually bottled. Uh, the the label is really interesting too. It says distilled in Kentucky, matured and bottled in Scotland. Uh, one of tw- uh, 2,250 bottles at 47.4%. I can't do the math. Swan, can you do the math? Uh, no, no, I cannot. No, uh, no, okay. I well, can't. that's okay. It's, it's 90, 94.8 proof. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Thank you. I, uh, what do you think the over under is on this being a heaven Hill product? <laughs> it's up there. I'm going to give it about uh, a solid 65%. No, yeah. I think it's, I think it's up yeah. There. Um, I can't think of anywhere else that would really have product aging this long. Maybe Buffalo trace. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. But. Uh, oh, they have a podcast. Who does? They do. It's on the what? label. They put their podcast on the label. One nation under Yeah. Well, shoot, Swan. We should do a crossover. Let's get them on, man. I want to try some 24 year old whiskey. Heck Yes. Yeah, look at them. All about that. That is some branding right there. I'm impressed. No, actually, I kind of like the insi- the simple labels. I think this usually comes out in. Uh, it looks really remarkably similar to the Koval bottles. Yes, it does actually. Uh, which is totally fine. They both go for that really simple branding, but I mean, for nothing but good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited to see what they come out with, and I'd love to listen to their podcast. Know what I'm going to be doing probably later tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, same here, and uh, I, I I think we should definitely try to do a little collaboration with them and see if we can talk about their their whiskey selection process and uh, see what that's like. I love that the TTB puts on here, and this is so aggressive, but I love this. If you look just below the label, it says previous editions are obsolete. <laughs> Not Hopefully good enough. That's a, that's a that's a good indication though that things are constantly changing for them. 
So every sign has a reason. Somebody sent a passive aggressive email and like, you know what, George, we're putting this on there. I'm tired of getting this. (laughs) Swan, I think you're going to want to get this next release, though. Yeah, that's my name. It is for the most part. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, Thomas is my middle name. S'more. That's a good abbreviate abbreviation. That's great. Abbreviation. Abbreviation. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. So this is the Thomas S. Moore extended cask finish. Uh, it's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey finished in sherry casks, 86 proof. And uh, interestingly enough, this is from uh, basically the namesake for the man who eventually would build the distillery that became Barton 1792. Uh, in Bardstown. So this is honoring kind of the the founder uh, or the original founder of this distillery. How how cool is this, man? This is really exciting. It is really exciting. I'm I'm excited. I, I wish the proof was a little higher, but I also I knew you this. were gonna say that. I knew yeah. you were gonna I, I looked at this label and I looked at the proof and I thought Swan's gonna want this proof to be higher. And sure just, enough that you said it. I wanted to be like 90 to 95 at least i don't know they seem to dilute the sherry cask finish or like any of the really finished bourbons a little bit more um but also i'm a proof hound half the people that listen to the show are they want it to hurt them or it's not good enough like that's just where everybody's at um I, i i also sympathize with the fact that if you take his name and you abbreviate it uh, it comes out as s'more because I cannot tell you how many times I've had an automated login of sorts and it's like first initial last name and then I become s'more for the rest of my life. <laughs> so uh, I, f- I feel his pain. Um, I definitely want to try it. I'll give it that. It doesn't look like it's going to be a bottle that is anywhere near what the Barton Distillery has put out. Um Based on the 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 long back label, um, definitely the front label is going to be a little bit more elongated as well. So I imagine that this is going to be a very unique looking product uh, for Barton. I, it reminds me of the Remus bottle or the new Amsterdam vodka bottle. Just the shape, the way that it tapers off down yeah, towards the bottom. Yeah, I think it, uh, it could be something like that. Yeah, which is really not something we've seen in bourbon packaging before so i i'd be interested in even just seeing a bottle of this this on the shelf but i am looking forward to being able uh to pick one of those up this next one i am not familiar with uh, th- this label period are you by any means uh no i don't know anything about this millam and green m-i-l-a-m uh, Hill Country Whiskey Series Limited, non-chill filtered, very sma- uh, small, pat- pff, very small batch pot distilled, distillery edition, straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, it looks like it's coming out of Texas. So, yeah, it does. Interestingly enough, I, that's about it. I, they don't, uh, tw- 120 proof. Um, that's really about all the information we have aside from a little bit of a blurb on the back um, about the hard work that they put into producing this whiskey. Yeah, no, they are big on that. I mean, I'm seeing a couple of things on just the front of the label that's saying (laughs) hand batched, artfully distilled. I mean, it's it's everywhere. (laughs) Um, Distillery edition. I, does that mean 
potentially it's going to be a distillery only product. I imagine that's what that means. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Sure. Sure. Uh, not available in Kentucky, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully that's going to be something that Texans are able to grab. Uh, this next product or the next label rather is holster all American bourbon as opposed to not all American bourbon. Um, <laughs> this is a special release, uh, small batch 90 proof. Uh, this is coming from the King's Mark company in Louisville, Kentucky. I have never heard a nonsense name like King's Mark before. And I don't know anything about this. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, hold on if, a second. Let me look at this. Some startup, more. If this was a startup Jeez. distillery, um, we'll have to get in, in contact with them and see what we can do. Okay, so I, I'm going to, this is a pet peeve of mine. I hate this. So I've looked over applications for people my, you know, past few years. If you put fast learner on an application, I immediately am like, okay, you're supposed to be a fast learner. That's kind of just a part of getting a job. <laughs> so when you, this is the third label I've seen already, crafted with care. I hope it's crafted with care. I mean, why are you putting a product out otherwise? <laughs> I... I don't know. I'm still excited with it. I'm glad they're proud of their product. I just, some of these labels kind of confuse me a little bit. Note, note to distilleries, do not put crafted with care on your label or else Swan from This Is My Bourbon Podcast is going to <laughs> going to take you to court over it. It's just a personal pet peeve, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, think about it, though. Does it make sense to you? Like, why would you put a product out that you're not proud of? I mean, it, it's all about marketing, dude. Yeah. That, that's that's what I'm going to bring up. You, you're trying to let people know that you were diligent in the production of your product. That's it. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I need to calm back or like take it back a little bit, but I, I don't know. Special release is a little strange. Do they have a non-special release that they put out? Like, is there oh, yeah. like a, a standard product they offer or something? Find out. Holster All-American Bourbon. Not finding anything. They must be a new distillery. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe they're putting out the special release first with the intention of putting out something else later. Could be. Could very well be. Yeah. Speaking of another special release, th look, I feel like most of these have just been us going, what is this this week? But this is definitely one that has left, left me uh, scratching my head. The World Whiskey Society Reserve Collection is releasing a Kentucky strength. No, I did not misread that. Bourbon whiskey, age 15 years. Uh, at 56%. So what is that? 102 proof? 112 proof? 112. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so whoever, go ahead. Whoever did this one's an engineer. I <laughs> love it. So I don't know if it's intentional, but they, they, on the TTB filing, they actually put like the engineering parameters. Dustin, you'll love this. He, he went in and it literally put like the markers in 45 millimeters, 30 millimeters, just over and over again for every single sticker. And there are so many, there are so many stickers on this bottle. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that that might have been to their disadvantage, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's actually got the mash bill on it, though. Do you see that? I did. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I'm all for extra information. Sure, seventy-eight point five percent corn, thirteen percent rye, eight point five percent malted barley. Okay, not bad. <laughs> uh, the Kentucky strength thing is fun to me. I like that a lot. It makes me laugh. Yeah, I I, I actually kind of like that. I giggled. Yeah, I guess it's a very Kentucky thing that we were just constantly competing for like bourbon strength. Like we're just like, yeah, we'll just put it out at 140 proof. We'll see if anyone can do it. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about it either. But I am sure about this last TTV filing. It comes from Whistlepig. It is the newest Boss Hog uh, Seven. Uh, it is going to be 120 proof, according to uh, the according to the label. Straight y- rye whiskey, straight rye whiskey, <laughs> is what I said there. Finished in Spanish oak and South American teak wood. Woo-wee. I this is gonna be a hot one, I think. <laughs> it is, but I am excited about this one. So this one is finished in Spanish oak and South American teak wood. I don't think I've any, ever seen anything in teak wood. I haven't heard of anything in teak wood before. No, this is experimental, and I don't know, man. I feel like Dave would be proud of something that's experimental he if he didn't have his hand be. in it already. Uh, before he before he before he passed, but I mean it's interesting. I like the blurb on the back, the old style like I love that back map. label. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's really really pretty. I I like it quite a bit. Uh, that really does it for the news and the TTB releases this week. Swan, I am really excited for this review that we've got. Oh yeah, me too, man. Don't, sound, don't sound so excited. No, I'm just, <laughs> just figuring out the pores here in my little closet that I'm recording in. Uh, <laughs> Do I need to give you a minute? Yeah, no, it's fine. I, I, I brought two glasses with me. Because we're doing a little bit of a comparison here with this one, right? Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. Th- this kind of was an exciting release that uh, got got dropped on us a couple weeks ago and I'm really I'm really looking forward to our conversation on this one. This is the limited edition old tub bottle and bond from the Jim Beam company. Jim Beam uh, has a really storied history with uh, with old tub. Uh, it was started over 140 years ago when David Beam uh, crafted uh, the first brand. So this is from the first brand uh, from the Beam family. Uh, and this is what Booker No considered to be his everyday sipper uh, when <laughs> when he was still alive. Uh, and the 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 old tub of regular edition is also bottled and bond uh, and is one that you can technically only get at the Claremont Distillery in Claremont, Kentucky for mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jim Beam. Although sometimes it does make an appearance at Total Wine. <laughs> It also shows up from time to time at Justin's House of Bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did not go to Claremont to get my bottle of uh, regular old tub. I, I went to Justin's, but I also went to Total Wine to grab the the unfiltered limited edition uh, version of this 
this old tub release. I'm excited for for us to get into this. I uh, it's it was twenty three dollars a bottle. I like we said it's bottled in a bond, so hundred proof, and it's going to be a limited edition, but it's also going to be available nationwide. I so I, I want us to first get into the actual filtered version as they as they would put it uh, i imagine that means chill filtered uh all it yeah. says on the label uh for the new one is unfiltered for more robust flavor so let's get into the uh the filtered version or the standard four-year-old bottle and bond if you feel so inclined swan what do you think about the nose it just smells like jim beam it does <laughs> i mean I don't want to say it smells like Jim Beam white label. It's got more going on than that, but it, it is very just Jim Beam reminiscent. Like I there's, it's just complete standard just smells like that. It is 100% classic bourbon smell. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I put this up against the bottled and bond, I think I would probably rather have the bottled and bond. This one comes so off yeah. a little lighter, a little less nutty, a little more cherry on the nose instead of, so much of the like nuttiness. It's fairly light up front on the palate as well, but it really gives way to a sugary corn flake. I mean, it is very frosted flake on the palate. Um, and it, it very much maintains that as it gets into the finish as well. And the sweetness just kind of explodes, but then it, develops into a kind of an artificial cherry flavor. Yeah, no, I'm getting like maraschino cherries and tobacco. Yeah, tobacco is definitely present, um, but it's it's less like heavy cigar tobacco. It's much more of like a cigarette <laughs> lingering tobacco note. I mean, I don't know. Something about this flavor always gets me to like, Crappy dive bar, everyone smoking cigs. <laughs> I'm outside, a little more drunk than I need to be, and I'm like, when is my ride showing up? Like, it, it's just, it, this is the well pour. I mean, I can understand exactly where Booker Noah is coming from. This is something that if I bought, kept it stocked, I'm never going to be mad. If I'm actively doing something else and having bourbon, I'm not even going to think about this. It's just going down. I mean, it's just easy. Um. There's not much to complain about. There's also not much to write home about either. So it's it's just bourbon. I think that's a really good good way of talking about it. And I, I think for the purpose of this review, we're actually just going to give numbers to the the limited edition one. Um, that's fair. Because that's going to be the one that people are going to be able to get more. Uh, they're going to be able to run out and, and find it more readily, of course, than uh, this distillery only release. I will say, though, I think that people should, if they do make it to the Claremont Distillery, pick a pick a bottle of this up. It's yeah. that's, it's like fifteen dollars for a three seven five. It yeah, is, it, it's cheap. Special. Yeah, yeah, it's cheap and it's interesting because it's just kind of a heritage product of theirs. They're not trying to impress anybody. They're just this is a heritage product. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with that. 
And the bottle's cool. You take the label off and you're done with it. And it's great to swap samples with, split bottles mm-hmm. with. Because, I mean, it's just a 375 with a big, bold face that you can stick some masking tape on. It's perfect. It's, it's a great kind of flask-style bottle that, I mean, if you're going tailgating or you're going... I almost said hiking. Is that okay to say? It's okay to say. If you're going hiking and you want something smaller... <laughs> <laughs> you can throw in a backpack. I mean, that's totally there for you. So just like I, the idea of you getting to the top of the pinnacles. It's like, ah, oh, listen, can you carry me down? Cause <laughs> this disappeared between start and finish and unaware. No, I, treat it, I, treat it, I treat it more as like a reward. Once you get to the top. Okay. What'd I say? <laughs> Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I just need to. <laughs> Hey, look, it's much easier to go back down than it is to get up. Listen, if someone wants to carry me down the hill, that's fine. (laughs) Just ask Lady Swan real nice. Oh, no, she'll throw me. She'll just (laughs) check you down. You're rolling rolling down the hill like Tommy boy. Hope you roll. Or hot rod. Ooh, okay. So I'm getting into the limited edition one, the one everyone's going to be able to get. There's more going on on the nose. It's a it's a lot deeper. It's got more sweetness to it. The oak is definitely coming through quite a bit more. Yeah, see, I'm getting oak and like that, mm. like raw, unfiltered honey. Mm. Dare I say, carrot cake. See, I'm getting carrot cake and more of the sense of like it's constantly covered in cream cheese frosting. Yeah, it, I think that's where I'm I'm picking up the sweetness is that cream cheese note, cream cheese frosting yeah. note rather. It is good. It, I much prefer this to the other one. And especially on the palate. This has got more standard Jim Beam to it. Ooh, the finish. Forget the palette. Finish is ridiculous, dude. (laughs) Happy dance. All right. I need another sip of this, man. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, don't don't base your your decision off of just the first sip. I think that while it is still good, you're going to find a little bit more in that second one. Okay, so all of the underlying things are still there. Maraschino cherry. A little bit of that, like, Tony the Tiger, Frosted Flake stuff going on. But they have absolutely cranked up the heat mm. in a good way. This is a good, solid burn to it. I I like this a lot more. This is very comparable to the Bottled Bond, in my opinion. I think it's got a better mouthfeel than the, the, the Jim Beam Bottled Bond does. This one, I don't know if I'd say better mouthfeel, but this one makes me salivate. The other one does not. Like this with a steak, this is built Ooh. for pairings. This is Ooh. built for pairings. Tell me it's not, Perry. It's fantastic. Mm. Mm. A good re- reverse sear steak mm-hmm. with this. Oh, yeah. Mm. This is solid. I. It's hard to believe that this is just unfiltered limited edition i don't know it how they're curating it it definitely drinks higher than 100 proof 
It does. This feels like a full seven, eight point jump in proof compared to the other one. Now, and, and I will say, I just in the interim between our flying blind and our review, uh, just so I could get my palate adjusted to it, had the Jim Beam single barrel 108 proof, uh, which Chad and I reviewed, I think, uh, a while back. And it it drinks much hotter than that one does. That's fair. I think this is wildly out of its class and punching above its weight for a limited edition $23 bottle of bourbon. Yeah, no, I'm I'm much with I'm right there with you. Is this a 750 or is it a 375? 750. So they went for a full bottle for not much more. Yep. That's intense. I know there's a lot of people that are like really wanting to kind of complete the collection, you know? Right. And they want those like special distillery only bottles. If you get the chance to find this at just your local liquor store compared to driving all the way to Claremont, Kentucky, freaking do it, man. It's, (laughs) it's all there. And then some it's, yeah, you're right. It's not that much more expensive. The The regular uh, 375 is about $15 or $16. The full 750 of this LE bottling is 23 I mean, it's technically cheaper. If you were to take a yeah, absolutely. 375 and double it, yeah, I mean, it's... Per value. <laughs> yeah. Per the unit price is better. <laughs> I am honestly, I am really stunned by this one. So, do you, do you what do we, what would you do with this in a cocktail? Do you think this is a good cocktail bourbon? Because they're not going to limit this. If I go down to a liquor store with it being limited edition, it says old tub on it. I can grab six if I wanted to. I I could find this being really good, and I'm going to tell you why in just a second. In a New York sour. Ooh, okay, yeah. No, I can get behind that because it tastes more like it. Not more, but it definitely has notes of being potentially a finished bourbon. It reminds me of a wine finished bourbon it, in, it, in many ways it begs for some sort of like fruitiness to it though i will say yeah. yeah and i think that's where the with with the new york sour the wine component would come in mm-hmm. um i think that's where it would kind of be balanced out a little bit more but also yeah i could totally see this being in an old-fashioned I, I want to try it in an old fashioned and there's a good chance that I might after we get done recording. <laughs> See you in a minute. Eli Mason will be there. <laughs> oh, I'm all out of Eli Mason. Oh, we need to fix that. Yes, we do. Yes, we uh, do. I, I think the only thing this is missing is it's kind of losing some of that cherry cordial note. And I'm just keeping that kind of sugariness. Mm. Um, that's the only thing I prefer about the other one. And honestly, I don't even want to see the cherry. I'd much rather see some citrus paired with this of some mm, sort, like some mm. orange. I think it would be phenomenal. Um, 
this has kind of got that blue moon effect to me where like I can drink a blue moon and kind of get through it. But the second you go to a bar and they put the little orange twist on there, you're just like, ah. <laughs> yes, it just needs a little orange twist. I don't know what quite it would be, but like it's, it's, it's got that. That's the only thing it's really devoid of for me. Sidebar. I'm not a wheat beer guy, but all you the know, power to you, all the power to you. Not really a beer guy in general, but I can stomach a, a blue moon occasionally. <laughs> I still want to do a bourbon barrel aged beer episode with you. See, it would just be you, whoever you picked, enjoying the bur- like the you know the the beer, and it would be me just like filling the waveforms to a hundred percent, going ah, <laughs> just, <laughs> just not having a good time. Check in with you every twenty minutes. You're just yeah. like. You, you've got a, a napkin and you're just brushing your tongue off. <laughs> I'll do it though. I'll do it. <laughs> hey, uh, we have a review system on this show of nose palette finish and price. Each category is out of five and we total it up for a final score out of 20 Swan. I think this is a pretty great bourbon overall, but I am excited to break it down just a little bit. What would you give the nose on this one? So the nose on this one, I feel is like uh, probably, I don't want to say it's weakest point. It's just its most different point. I'm going to give it a three and a half. See, I'm actually sitting at a three with this one. Okay. So this is where the fruitiness comes through for me is actually on the nose. I get more cherry cordial on the nose, which is a part that I really miss from the other one. So I'm ranking it a little higher. The other one's a little more harsh, sugary, sweetness, honeyed. I would recommend going back to the original, taking a sniff. The original smells like syrup now. I know, right? I was getting like a toasted marshmallow note. Yeah. How wild is that? And see, this is Jim Beam now, and the previous one is toasted marshmallow. Yeah. I don't know. That's With exactly this... what it's done. Yeah. <laughs> This one for me has gone more cherry, kind of cut out a lot of the sweetness. Yeah. I still like it. I think three, three and a half is probably good. I'm going to go with a three and a half. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go with a three. There's kind of a medicinal note that is poking through that I'm not super crazy about. Um, it almost makes me want to bump it down to like a 2.5. Uh, but even still, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not unsatisfied dissatisfied with it i'm just kind of wishing that there was a little bit more roundness to it there is a sharp edge to it on the nose uh that's keeping me from from moving too much forward with it you are drinking it out of a norlin though had it in a norlin you ever had it in a norlin yeah so i'm i'm actually missing quite a bit of the syrupiness that you're getting i get the cherry cordial note admittedly it does have that kind of like medicinal-ish quality to it but it's not i don't know can you smell if something's viscous is that a thing i don't i just i feel like it's missing that no i i think that's very possible i mean like you can smell thickness right you can you yeah can smell I'm, a a viscosity to it i think and i think the nose is lacking it a little bit i will say this is extremely drinkable Though. Oh, yes. At a at a hundred proof, bottled and bond, uh, unfiltered, it's unapologetic. I feel about its rough edges. 
I think it is really trying to show you that it is what bourbon whiskey should be. Oh, yeah. I think they honestly heard your comment about Elijah Craig and they're like, I got you. <laughs> Hold like, on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it seems like what they're going for. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to stick with my three and a half. I think this is one of the stronger points of the bourbon. Uh, as far as the palate goes, I'm going to give it a three. See, I'm kind of on the opposite end for you. Uh, and that's, that's what I was going for uh, when I was talking about where the, the flavor is a little bit more um, of the, the, the kind of punch you in the face, but still reminding you that that's what, what bourbon is. Um, I, I'm going to give the... <laughs> in, Surprise, it's what you gave the nose. I'm going to give it a 3.5 uh, on the palate. Um, so we're even at 7 at this point. I uh, But I think the finish... The finish, finish is the strongest point. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I'm giving it a 4.25. Oh, okay. I'm going 4. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's just the best part, man. I mean, it goes from like, oh, this is solid, drinkable, yeah. easy to, oh my gosh... This is why somebody drank somebody drank this and thought, I need to make a cash drink thing and call it Booker's. Like it is just that honey drip finish and tobacco and just kind of that evolving flavor profile. Mm-hmm. That I, I, it's it's got Ooh. everything that I wanted out of it. Oh, I really got a, a taste of tobacco on that on that last sip. Yeah, this, they're not this, shy with it. This has changed so much from the first couple of sips uh, and, and it really just being in my glass uh, bef- before trying it. I, I am amazed at the, the overall quality of this one, um, especially considering the value in this, a $23 limited edition bottle. Jim beam has been great about their limited editions, at least with the Jim beam label. Yeah. Uh, no, that caveat needs to be put on there considering our, uh, I'm not going to say distaste, but just lack of belief in the Knob Creek 15 year we just went over. No, 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 no. That's true. But they seem to have more of an understanding, at least with their their lower priced LEs. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're thinking about like the uh, uh, shoot. The repeal batch or distillers cut um yeah. or or products like that they are purported to be LE but they're reasonably priced i mean you're you're really looking at 20 to 25 dollars same range for this one and they're they're really a, a pretty quality product overall so i think that falls into into this category what do you think about the price with all that being said price is a five for me man i mean it's it's hard to beat i'm giving it a 4.5 i'm not too far off from you it's it's hard to it's hard to argue it anytime i give something just a solid score for the first three and it, it's just like, this is a definite pickup for me. I have no question whatsoever that this is going on my bourbon shelf. I mean, it's it's hard to beat. It's a vibe. I mean, it's, it really is. Um, 
especially knowing it's cheaper than the one that I prefer less. Like mm-hmm. by technicality, of course, but still. Yeah, I um, mean, you have to kind of break it down in terms of value and everything. But I think that's part of what the price category is about. It's it's your ba- the best bang for your buck. Exactly. I I don't know. I think it's a five, which I think puts me at a 15.5, which I think anytime we go over 15, it's just a dig, grab it. If you see it, grab it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, What'd I give the finish? 4.5. Yeah. Well, I gave it a 16. So, I, I mean, that's... And and really, between the finish being as stunning as it is for, and and we haven't even talked, we didn't even talk about the age. It's no. not age stated, so it's at least four years old. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a product that was much older than four years. I think it tastes older than the the standard bottle and bond iteration, which is actually age stated, by the way, at four years old. Um, I, I can't imagine that they're putting anything that much older into this product, but I, I think that shoot, you're you're not gonna find a better value for an around four year old minimum four year old bourbon on the market at this point. Um, I, I think that once you start getting into the craft category, you talk about uh, products like Wilderness Trail or New Riff. That's something entirely different because uh, they don't necessarily have the history that that Jim Beam does. Um, but they're still making a name for themselves. They're still doing great things with their products. Jim Beam has just shown people that if you have the history to back up your products. You can craft something that is incredible, even at a young age, a low price and a pretty mid tier proof point. And I I think that overall they really hit it out of the park with this one. Yeah. And just to bring it full circle, what does this remind you of? What's it remind me of? Yeah, our flying blind, man. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It tastes like yeah. an older. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I was thinking about it when you were talking. I was like, I really need to listen to Perry, but also, holy goodness, it tastes like our flying blind. It It, it is like a vintage pour. Yeah. Really, it has a dusty quality to it. It's, it's phenomenal. I think yeah. this is a definite pickup for anyone listening. And, and this is definitely, I, I, I will be buying at least one more bottle of this. Yeah. And I I think, uh, if we could just keep it to the listeners, phenomenal. I'd love to see this on the shelf for the next (laughs) two to three years, just like like every other limited edition Jim Beam that's come out. It's like, you know, you'll never see the repeal batch again. And then it was just like on the shelf for a year and a half. But, but, and, and that's the thing too, like distiller's cut was supposed to be limited edition. It's popping back up again. Yeah, exactly. So if we do talk highly about it, Maybe Jim Beam will hear it and they'll go, but we did something really good with this one. And they'll want to keep it on shelves. Let me stock up first and then preach the gospel, everyone. (laughs) You realize that this episode comes out in two days, right? I I, I need to get working. (laughs) And go get some of that. Good luck. Good luck with that one. You better go out real quick. 
Patreon's the only one that's getting the early talk on this one. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, overall, though, Jim Beam, you crushed it. I mean, really, this was this was an absolute win for you guys. So that's it for the review, man. That was the most positive review we've had in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And we and and even comparing it to our Hotel Tango review from a few weeks back, um, I, you're about to do exactly what I'm about to do. <laughs> it's like a long-standing tradition on this on this Isn't podcast. It it's like, oh well, we just compared two things. One of the things like if we mix them, you know, just put. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the the post-game <laughs> chat <laughs> where Patreon gets the pre-game. Oh, I don't know. This makes mine it killed it, man. What do you mean you think it killed it? I don't know. It just kind of got taken over by the the first one, like the original old tub that you get at the distillery. See, I think it, it complimented it okay. I don't know. I still want orange out of one of them. I'm honestly thinking about instead of doing like the original Angostura bitters, I've got some orange bitters upstairs. Ooh, Ooh that palette. Mmm. Mm, it took the sugar and made it brown sugar. Oh, yeah. Oh, brown sugar and citrus, man. That's what I wanted. That is the so good. a little funky, but the palate's great. Palate's awesome. And the finish that is, dropped off a little. It did, but, but really, I'm still kind of hanging on to the finish. And maybe because I'm talking as I'm still kind of tasting it. But mm-hmm. it's... I like that. I don't mind that at all. It's not bad. It's not, not bad. bad. By any means. You know what else isn't bad? What's that? Tips and bits. Whew. Give me 20 minutes to load. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> on your day off, you've had plenty of whiskey, and you're like, hey, man, let me let me take some time to think about this. No, I've got <laughs> a tips and bits for you. All right. The other night. So I, I've been doing this thing where, like, I'm bad about getting on Netflix and just scrolling for, like, 20 minutes, figuring out what I want to watch. And then just watching. I'm sure Parks there's plenty of people just like myself. Basically, yes. So I hand it to the most decisive person I know, which is my fiance, and she's just like, down three, right seven. And she'll <laughs> just, like, figure it out. So just click on whatever, and we're just watching that, right? So she did that, and we watched this movie called naked have you heard of this nope <laughs> and so cannot say sounds, i have it's like it's like a rom-com but it's more it's just ridiculous it's like a fever dream of a movie so the whole concept is this guy is basically he's about to have his wedding day everything seems perfect he's a little not prepared or whatever and <laughs> then he goes to the hotel and where he's staying the night before and uh, goes out to have a drink, and then the next scene, he wakes up in an elevator naked. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so basically, every time he he gets up and he walks out of the elevator, and all of a sudden it's just like he's just late for his wedding. And as soon as he hears these church bells ring, he goes back and he's in the elevator again, naked, and he just starts over. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it's it's like a Groundhog Day. It's a modern day Groundhog Day, exactly. Yeah, it's a Groundhog Day thing. 
and he just has as many tries as he can to get it perfect again. And he, because he was so underprepared for this wedding, it's like his, his way of getting prepared again. And it's just a fever dream, man. I mean, it is just nuts. It, I, it is a great way to kill two hours. I mean, it okay. is, it's, it's just funny. Fair like, enough. don't go into it thinking this is a cinematic masterpiece. Just like make fun of it. I'm not. You know? I wasn't. I wasn't going to with a movie called Naked. <laughs> no, no. Just openly make fun of it. And have a great time. I, I thought it was a great, great way to kill two hours. I'll tell you what. Another uh, great two-hour investment is. Is that the best way to say that? I don't know. I uh, yeah. that that thing you do. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm-mm. It's a Tom Hanks movie. It is from the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. And it's set in the 1960s, around the time that the Beatles were coming to America. Uh, kind of mid-British invasion. And it's about this band from Pennsylvania. And they have this huge hit song. And it's basically about their uh, their journey as pop stars in the 60s it's one of my favorite soundtracks of any movie um the mm-hmm. song that thing you do is a absolute hit uh i i love it it was actually i believe performed by fountains of wayne um <laughs> for for the soundtrack itself I so it's got it's got some notoriety to it a little bit. Um, I've also been watching and I'm I'm not quite finished with it yet, but it's been really good so far. The last four episodes of the Clone Wars, uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars on okay. Disney Plus. Um, I, I <laughs> mistakenly because uh, when when you pull it up on Disney Plus, it shows the thumbnail for the Clone Wars and it says the final season. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the final season. And I knew that it was the last four episodes that you had to watch. And I scrolled down to the first set of last four episodes and I watched them and I was like, this is the weirdest ending I've ever seen to to a show. And sure enough, it was the last four episodes of the first season. So <laughs> instead of it being the final season, I was like, what am I doing? And then I scrolled through. I was like, there's no way that this can be over. And I, yeah, I got it. I got it wrong. So I, I am in the middle of finishing up the, uh, the last four episodes of the, the final season of the Clone Wars. And I will also say, because I am a big nerd, uh, I am in the middle of Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda on the Switch. And oh, great. Are you playing it's it phenomenal. too? No. So I do this thing where I can't afford a switch and I can't find one. And I've been on oh. Facebook marketplace. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you had one trying to hum already. No, no, I've been hunting them down forever. The guy at Meyer is tired of seeing my ugly mug. I can't find one. <laughs> so I've just been watching playthroughs of breath of the wild. That game is phenomenal. Do you, do you want to just come over and watch me play it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, continue. Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it's beautiful. I know that people have complained about it not being true to the the Zelda style of gameplay, but honestly, no, none of my favorite Zelda games have been the standard. 
well, you go through a dungeon and there's a bunch of puzzles and then you complete the puzzles and you get to the objective and then you move on to the next dungeon. It's the same thing. Like Majora's Mask on the N64 is hands down my favorite video game of all time. Hands down. See, my favorite Zelda game is another one that's a little more non-standard. I loved Minish Cap. Minish Cap is great. Oh my god, I love that game. Yeah, Between Worlds on the DS. Did you ever play that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. But people are always going for the standards. Ocarina of Time is fine. But but it's, I think if you are looking at the, the pinnacle of... What what makes a Zelda game a Zelda game? Ocarina of Time is definitely that. It set the standard. I'll give you that. Yeah, but it did. I, I enjoy myself with Minish Cap, the stupid hat that won't stop talking to you. And you're just like, <laughs> what's going on? But every once in a while, he turns around and you're like, I don't know how to do this dungeon. He's like, what, have you tried this? Like, right. You know what I've found, too? I've found that I really enjoy a challenge in games. I really yeah. enjoy it. And it... It, it became apparent because of the amount of time that I've put into Cuphead, um, Breath of the Wild. And like, I, I definitely enjoy the quietness and the serenity of games like uh, Animal Crossing uh, because it's it's less stressful by many, many means. Um, but I, I just I don't. I like the puzzle solving. I like the you know, the chance to create your own story and not everything's right the first time or, or whatever. I, I think that the, you know, the trial and error of it, which is how I learned too, as a person, I mean, I am 100% a trial and error person. Um, th- that's just, I've, I've found how much I love that in, in games. So I, I think that Breath of the Wild is a, a great example of that, too. So if you've not played it and you own a Switch, go check it out. And apparently Breath of the Wild 2 has been completed. So ah, that's fantastic. <laughs> You're going to lose so much money in a like a 12 a month period. <laughs> Who's mad? You act like that's a bad thing. No, it's it Breath ain't, of the Wild, it ain't Breath that bad. Hey, man, I'm not mad if you're mad. <laughs> Or if yes. you're not, whatever. I don't care. I know what she said. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm I'm excited for it. I think I it's a fantastic too. game. The Switch is such an underrated system. I just wish they would make more of them so I could oh, walk yeah. into wherever I wanted to and buy it instead of doing the same thing I did with a Wii, where I went to GameStop for at least three months and like, listen, we get three in at a time. And you're like 40th on list. Can you calm down and they'll get here when they get here? And I'm just like, I'll see you tomorrow, sir. I just kept coming. <laughs> this I just, different. I couldn't stop myself. Times is different. <laughs> Times is different. <laughs> well, I think that does it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can follow us on social media. Swan, where can people follow you on social media? I'm on Facebook and Instagram at my bourbon finder, which I need to reconnect because I've had a new phone for like a week now and realized it's not even, that's not even on my new phone. Oh, <laughs> so I got on today and I was like answering messages and doing this and that. And I was like, uh, whoopsie. 
<laughs> well, I am at pritter1492 on all social media channels. You can follow the show as well at my bourbon pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I've actually been posting there a little bit more than my own stuff. So <laughs> if you really want to go follow something, go follow the show uh, because I've been keeping up with that a little bit more recently than my own stuff. Uh, you can leave us a five-star rating and review on the iTunes podcast app. Uh, it is right in app. All you have to do is just open up the show and you can pop right in and check out what's going on. And we'll definitely read out your review on the show, which actually we don't have a new one this week. So next week, get your review and your rating in and we will read that out for you. We appreciate everybody who has done that so far. Uh, you can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com. You can also leave a voicemail for our barrel ring segment, which it's uh, it's been a while since we've had barrel rings, so I hope that uh, we can get back to that here soon. Uh, that number is 859-428-8253, and we will listen to your voicemail on air and reply to it on air as well. Uh, you can also send all of your questions and comments to thisismybourbonshop at gmail.com. And then last but not least, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month for $2 a month. You get bonus posts, uh, letting you guys know what's going on with the show, uh, week to week, month to month, $5 a month. You get bonus episodes and that includes as well. The pregame chat swan. I'm curious. I have a question for you real quick. Hit me with a pair. Would you be interested in doing the first ever this is my bourbon podcast post game chats tonight. Well, hit me with it. Hit me with it. Are we doing the thing? The the other thing that I I was gonna. I was today? thinking we could do the Knob Creek that I gave you. Oh, buddy! You know what? I got that right here. Let's okay. go. Okay. All right, we're gonna do the post game chats as well. Uh, one more time. That's at patreoncom slash podcast. And also, you get to watch us record this. Uh, these episodes, uh, we, we do this for every single patron. You also get live streams every month. I'm going to be bringing that back here soon as things kind of peter out for the rest of the summer. Uh, and some uh, some hangouts as well, <clears throat> which uh, we've not been doing as often uh, just because life is getting a little bit crazy for me. But uh, even still, you guys are you guys are here and I love you everybody who supports the show uh, every single month, every single week. Uh, we, we've started uh, shouting out some uh, some patrons uh, on the show. And uh, you want to shout somebody else out here, Swan? I do. I do. I want to shout out Ian McMaster this week. So he, yes. was, he had some difficulty getting to Kentucky, from my understanding, and getting an Airbnb hooked up. But he went and visited his favorite distillery. That man is a brand rep all of his own even if he's not technically yes. one uh went to new riff just love to see him back in the state man uh and uh hopefully get to see you soon man i'm sorry yeah, I'm, unfortunately we were uh, supposed to hang out last week but i wound up being uh, out of state so we were not able to make that happen but yeah uh, we'll do it very soon and for the same reason that I can't record in person with Perry right now, I couldn't really hang out with uh, Ian. I came into contact with a couple COVID patients this week, so uh, that was fun. Hey! <laughs> Keep Wait. your social distancing. Wait, again, really? Yeah, so I mean, part of my job is I go, you know, help people get stuff well, to their yeah. car and wash yeah. up to my elbows after every encounter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay as safe as I can and stuff, but, you know... Within 10 feet, 
a COVID patient. It's great. <sighs> you, you'll be able to come over soon. Yeah, but wish I could be there, Ian. It's just uh, trying to keep everyone else safe as much as I can, including my including myself. So uh, yeah, can't sure. can't really share that experience with you just yet. Yeah, for sure. So thank you all so much who support the show at patreon.com slash my podcast. We really do appreciate you guys. You keep the lights on in the studio and uh, especially in the new studio space that's going to be happening here over the next couple of weeks. Surprise, surprise. The, uh, this studio is going away here soon. So, yep, it's a big change, but we appreciate each and every one of you, not just those who support us on Patreon, but who listen to the show every week. Uh, for those new listeners, uh, if you've made it this far into the show, uh, thank you for being here. And uh, we appreciate you guys uh, not just checking us out, but uh, also for uh, sharing it with your friends, just in case. That does it for this week. Next week, we're going to have a friend of the show, Barry Brenniger. Uh, from the Lexington Bourbon Society, who has also started up his own bourbon distillery. Uh, we're going to be tasting some of his products next week. So you have that to look forward to. But until then, I'm Perry. And I'm Swan. And this is my bourbon podcast. <laughs>